0: Welcome to the Wisconsin Football Coaches Podcast with your hosts, Tom Swiddle, Tom Yashinsky, and Paul Navinsky. Now let's join the guy.
1: Welcome to the WFCA Podcast. This is our special clinic podcast. I'm with Paul Navinsky and, and, and Paul, we're very excited about the, the lineup we've got that we're going to be putting on here at the clinic and your your view of the clinic so far.
0: Well, it, it's always a great time, you know, to have... Obviously, the Kansas quarterback coach and and Stiglmeier and the people we're doing to speak and to, to have hands on is an unbelievable experience for coaches, and I don't think they'll understand that until they go back to their school and take some of the stuff with them.
1: Absolutely, and and you've already spoiled the, the surprise here with us is Jim Zabrowski, quarterback coach at uh, Kansas, and and I just sat through your your uh, your session there, and I have to tell you this is going to be. Um, you know, loose. Okay, I know you, you you made a big deal out of that. And, and it, you know what? We're welcoming you back. You're from the uh, state. You coached in the state for quite some time. What's it like
2: to be back at the clinic? It's been great. Well, thanks for having me, Tom. I'm really love. Uh, like I've had a great time being back. Um, I've lived here seven years, give or take. The years of Whitewater. The years of Lakeland College as a head coach. You you live here long enough, you become part of it. And like. My son's a big Green Bay Packer fan now. He's got his stock or whatever he has. We got a little <laughs> stock for that thing. Our daughter was born in Sheboygan, you know. So we always have great memories and ties um, within Wisconsin. Like I said, it's it's awesome to be back. I'm really excited. It's been a blast to see um, coaches that I haven't seen for a while. Um, guys that are coached. that are former players that is Melon makes me cry. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. These guys are coaching now. It's awesome. So I've had a blast.
1: Well, I'm glad to hear that, and I could tell by the number of people that approached you after your session, I didn't think I was going to be able to get you up there for
2: the podcast. You were so busy with people. Now, you spoke at the clinic once before. Yeah, it's either once or twice. I don't know if I spoke when I was at Whitewater. I feel like I did, but I remember the first time someone asked me, it was one of those years of of, uh, Lakeland College. Now it's it's Lakeland University. I do know that. Um, It's Lakeland College, and I spoke. um, I was head coach there, but I was calling the plays at the time. I spoke about quarterback draw. So some quarterback draw variations so I remember that. I'm not sure if I ever spoke being part of the Wisconsin, the UW, you know, Whitewater staff, but yeah, and it was a blast. It's as good a clinic as there it is. It's unbelievable.
1: And I, I take that to heart because we pride ourselves in the fact this is the largest football-only clinic in the United yeah. States. And I have to tell you this, Coach, um, you know, with the COVID and all the things that have happened, we had to cancel the clinic and and, and that kind of thing. Our, our numbers at this clinic are at the pre-COVID numbers. And one of the reasons is the lineup, the fact that we were able to secure not only yourself, but the other coaches from Kansas that are speaking, the The buzz that you guys created and the number of people are here are a testament to all the things you guys have done in Kansas.
2: No, it, it is, but it's also, I think is a testament to a lot of those guys who lived, um, who went, a lot of those coaches were from here and went to high school here and they got a chance to coach in the state. And I am just very fortunate and blessed to be able to add in at that time be able to be able to meet Lance and 07-800 as offense coordinator and the four years before that to be able to get asked to be a head coach at Lakeland College or interview where I had no idea where Sheboygan, Wisconsin was. <laughs> no clue at all. Went out there and had four of the great, just fun years. I, I can't say best because all my years have been really good. Um, just four awesome years. Um, it's been, it has been was a blast to figure out where that area was and cold and all stuff, but it's been great um, for that. And like I said, and then with Coach K, you know, Coach of River Falls, or playing at River Falls and being so, that area, and Chris Simpson and uh, Coach Lightpool obviously, Coach Borland, you go on and on, it's, it's awesome.
0: Coach, yeah, I told you this story off-air about I ran into a Coach Ryan or Aaron Kramer, and he asked what am I doing with all this computer stuff out? And, I said, well, I'm interviewing Jim. And he's like, oh, that guy recruited me at Lakeland. He's a great guy. Can you just go back and highlight some of your memories from some of the great things? You've been at Lakeland. You've been at Buffalo, Whitewater, yeah, yeah. now
2: Kansas. What, what are some of the highlights for you? Really, one of the first major highlights was becoming a head coach for the first time in my life in 2000, and I think it's was 2003 at Lakeland. That was one of the biggest, best memories I've had, or moments I guess I should say I had, just because it doesn't matter what level you're at, you're a head coach, you know, and I got a chance to do that. And then winning national championships is pretty darn special. And those two years in 07, 09, and losing the championship in 08, but being in three straight national championship games and being there um, with Coach Leipold as he started his career there, and obviously him playing there, I know how much it meant to him. I really was fortunate and blessed to just be able to be part of it. And that meant so much to me. And watching how much people cared about UWYW, and now seeing how that thing still rolls, and that's what makes it so happy. And watch how Lakeland still roll thats what makes it so much fun. So those are some of the great moments and memories. And like, obviously, we've had bowl games, and obviously, the the college game day at Kansas was unbelievable this year. And watching, but it's not so much like you don't pat yourself on the back and say, "Oh, great!" You're like you're so happy for the kids. Like we had Whitewater with Justin Beaver, running wild. Danny Jones at the quarterback. There's so many great players. All over the place, but I was so happy for them and seeing, especially for the kids like Justin um, and AJ Ray, well, the guys who've been through it for a couple of years and lost their mouth for those couple of years to be able to win it. I felt so like that's awesome for them. And just like the years when I mean, you have the success, and, the, and as we're getting this thing rolling at, at Kansas, I think those are the moments. It's like those those special, it's not so much a victory but it's like watching the kids and how happy they are. At wherever spots. There's not like a better. I never tell people, oh, Kansas is better than Lakeland or better than all oh, my different. They're all great. They're all even. They're all awesome. Um, and I've just been very fortunate to watch those kids. I uh, watch kids just have success. That's what makes me most happy.
1: Well, you know, and I, I, I can tell you in the session that I just saw you do on quarterbacking, one of the things you said was, you know, here you, you've been coaching for 30 years or whatever it is. You've been coaching a long time, Jim. And you said you're as excited today as you've always been,
2: and you were excited at every stop that you've been at, yeah. and, and you just backed it up with what you've yeah. said. And people said, On my first six years of coaching, I was three years at Preble Shawnee High School, which is a small high school outside of Oxford, Ohio. The next three years, I was an a assistant coach, at no, assistant at Preble Shawnee, and then assistant coach at Berea High School, which is right next to the airport in Cleveland, right where, by where the Browns practice. And I still remember those kids, like a, lot, a number of those kids. Like, those were fun years. Like, I, yeah. I had good memories everywhere. And, like, Coach Leipel made joke about me yesterday, or a couple of days ago. He's like, Jimmy, you'd be just as happy coaching Joe, Joe Schmoe Jr. High School as you would coaching at Kansas. And again, in a positive way, I'm like, yeah, I just, I love what I do. I love coaching. And it makes it easier when you're around people that are really easy to work with. Coach Leipold and those guys have been all awesome. Like, that's what makes it even easier. Like, yeah. that's, you enjoy going to work. You enjoy coaching ball and like I said I just my biggest thing is it. people always want to talk about successes and you know it says watching kids get better like that's what makes me most proud when a, a kid makes a great thrower a great player like that makes me like I'm not I don't go oh great job me I'm like he did it you yeah. did it and that's what's awesome coach you obviously have a wealth of experience but if you were to
0: give some advice to coaches even young coaches we have a lot of young coaches that are
2: listening, what would be some of the advice you'd give them? Both of you guys have done one thing, which is, I always say, so many years of wealth of experience makes you feel old. <laughs> like, geez, a Yeah. It is 30. When, when you get to be my age, you're <laughs> officially old. Once, once you said 30 years this year, today, I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious. Um, biggest advice I heard, and I always I don't need to name drop, but I, I remember the guys I learned something from. So I think it was Frosty Westbrae or Fro- Frosty, West- he's of Pacific Lutheran, I think, pac Lou out out there on the West Coast. And I remember listening to him at a glacier Clinic. And this is advice This is advice I give to young coaches, and it's advice I've always remembered. And he always said this. He goes, stop looking for the big time. Make the big time where you're at. And I've always, he goes, people always want to get to, in his case, people want to go to Stanford or Cal or USC. pac Lous was a great school. I think it was pac Lou I apologize if I'm wrong about that. But that, and that's why when I took the job at Lakeland, it was all about kids were wearing all these different college sh- sh- sweatshirts. I'm like, no, no, no. You can wear your high school sweatshirt, you can wear a pro sweatshirt, but you're gonna wear Lakeland college gear. Because you better be proud of beer. If you're not proud of beer, then don't be here. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, kids at other schools aren't wearing Lakeland college all, you know, stuff. So like, that's the part it's like, and so I'm trying to make, like, I always tell people the best school, wherever I'm at the best school in the country. Not because of me, but I'm there. And that's what I feel like right now, You know, KU's the best school in the country because I'm coaching there. I I hope everybody feels that way about where they work or go to school. So I think that's the biggest advice I give. Everybody's like, "I'm at a small school. I want to go to a bigger school." Or "I'm at small." Whoa, whoa, whoa! Make the big time where you're at. Be successful there. Do the best you can there, and hopefully things will work out down there on down the road. But if you always keep looking, you're you're missing what's right in front of you.
1: Yeah, yeah. That is great advice, and, and. you know advice that i will live by now and entering my 45th year of coaching in the fall i will live that advice but you know one of the things that really impressed me and again we've known each other for a while now yeah, and one of is. the things that that i that i've always been impressed with you like no matter where you've been you know minnesota or buffalo whatever you've developed quarterbacks that are really successful and you've, you've coached guys that have been all conference and have broken records. You've coached guys that have been drafted in the NFL. You even had a, a Heisman Trophy finalist. Jordan Lynch. That you Jordan coached Lynch with that back guy.
2: in Northern Illinois. And he was a backup quarterback at that time. Isn't that crazy? It Chandler is. Chandler Harnish was a star at the time. That's how good Chandler was. And Jordan was as good a person as you'll ever find. So apologize for cutting up. No, bit. no. I think that's, that's a
1: great, yeah. great point to, to, to bring out. But do you... Do you change how you coach quarterbacks, given where you're at? I mean, did you expect your quarterback at Lakeland, for instance, to do the same things that, you know, the guys that, that you have at Kansas now, who are very talented? I, we, by the way, we watch all your games. When, you, when Kansas is on, you have no idea how many people in the state watch it. I'm texting with, you know, Dan Brunner or something. Did you see that? You know, like, or whatever. But, um, you know, so you do have a big following in Wisconsin, you guys but does it matter what level
2: you're at in terms of expectations? Um, no, I think expectations, they, the kids may not be able to do something that other kids can't do in the quarterback world, but like my son's a quarterback of Southern Illinois. Um, and I tell him the same thing I tell his other guys too. I said, I, my number one thing, and I'll explain the rest of it is, I wasn't very good. I was a backup quarterback of my union, a better baseball player, like I, I was. I go, and then, I made some decisions that weren't great. I always said, once I got a coach, I said, I want to coach quarterbacks the way I wish I would have played. I wish I would have played. So I did everything I can to learn about them. And I always think that I think when I talk to qu- quarterbacks at any level, I always tell them, understand, don't, they, they? I don't want them to ever feel pressure. Okay. Everybody knows everyone's watching them. I get that part. Enjoy it. Go play. Drive past. Take chances. Joking around that kind of stuff. Like, Go make plays. Do the, do what you need. Give me everything you have and give the team everything I have for four to six seconds. And don't look back. I go, don't, don't be afraid to make this throw or afraid to make this, throw or, afraid to make this throw or afraid to make this play. Be prepared. I go and enjoy it. I always tell the kids, like, DYB, deliver your best. Give me your best. I go, and then if we need something to work on, I'll help you work on that and we'll get to that point. So I think the coaching has changed in terms of working maybe a little more off platform throws because the way the game's played right now. With defenses being so athletic and quarterbacks having to be able to move and make plays because it's hard to block everybody all the time for anybody. Like, it doesn't matter who you are at any level. So, I like, think that's changed a little bit. But in terms of, like, I think I've – I said the last five or six years might have been the best years I've ever coached quarterbacks. Like, in my mind, because Coach Andy – Kolnick Coach K coordinates. I go, we all work together and we game plan and sit down. But, like – He's calling the plays and and, and in practice and it gives me a chance to coach quarterbacks. And not worry about a play call. And not worry about having to you know he's taking care of all that stuff. He's awesome. So I think I've been able to find something. So as you heard my talk, I talk about kids to stay loose and be sudden now. If you can loose, you can make plays. And that's where I kind of built all that stuff out being like watching the kids make plays at any level and going there is a similarity. You might not like you might not be able to do what Patrick Mahomes does. But you can see how he does it and work to get that. So I've always tried to challenge myself to see why people are doing really good, and figure out how they're doing it, and see if we can help give our kids to make those type of um, plays or movements or whatever. And then I think the same something has always been the same. I'm always going to work a rapid ball drill because you got to get the ball on their hands fast. And you're always going to work some type of out platform type stuff and teach how to do that problem. Not just oh we're going to do it. And I think I take pride in what. We do indie work, and with the way we're doing things now at Buffalo and kind Cadillac, of like, it's given me a chance to really work with them, and and it's been a great, it's been awesome. I, I, I thank Lance for that, and Coach Cavall has been able to. It's been really fun to be able to do. It. I feel like I've got very like I can help my son if he wants to. You know, he never asks, yeah. <laughs> very rarely asks, but he does. He's done a great job. But I said I think it's fun like to be able to to see that and go, ooh, I can, and not overcoach it. But to get them to make some plays, I'm like, I think I can, hey, I think you can do this. Let's try this. And they do it, and you're like, yes, you did it. So I think that's been the fun. It's always been that kind of part. But the confidence, building confidence within a kid, I think is a staple of what I've done. Being able, you heard about focusing and refocusing, but being building confidence that kid and making them believe that they can do it has been the overlying theme. You know,
0: coach, I was fortunate to coach 30 years by myself, and, I've coached quarterbacks before, but my saying was always, what makes a bad high school quarterback? Turnovers. Don't well, so turn it. the ball over and I'll love you. Yeah. I mean, do you you you've been explaining your philosophy and you've been talking about play loose, make plays, yeah. believe in yourself. Is there any other thing advice you could give to quarterback or quarterback coaches? Just some specific yeah. things that you think are key to being a good quarterback
2: at any level. Really simple. This is really simple. Tom heard this, it was in there. If you can remember the simple concept. If the whistle blows and your team still has a ball in their hands, and the worst case scenario is you're back to the line of scrimmage, life's okay. That's the best advice I can give okay? them. Can, you can take that however you want to approach it, like throw the ball away, Don't. because I hear guys say, don't throw picks, don't take sacks. Once you say that, they will throw a pick and they will take a sack. You basically told them to. So I were trying to tell them is, you know what, life's okay if we still have the ball in our hands when the whistle blows and we're back to line of scrimmage. regardless of what happens, some people get all, all messed up with like, oh my gosh, he's throwing an completion. Well, yeah, we run plays for zero yards too. It's still a zero yard game, like it's okay. Yeah. Like very few kids have gone 20 for 20 in games. Like 14 for 20, 70%. That gets you to a lot of places. Like, you know, so I think that's the case we talked about. I was like, don't listen. Outside noise, all that stuff, but just Understand for your team, key is let's get us back. Add worst case scenario to the line of screen. That's in the simplest, in a simplistic way of of because there's other ways you can say it, but I think that's always a fun simplistic ones. Like, dude, you're gonna make explosive plays. It's great, great plays. You gotta figure out when you can and can't make those. I go, but in the end all, end all, if we that means, 'cause you watch our st- the stats, when I mostly people talk, what stat means a lot to you, and blah blah blah. I go, the funnest ones are always. Um, Third down type conversions, turnover numbers, sack numbers, all that stuff. And I think that's what I'm most proud of. Um, and it's a team stat, you know. But like, we've done a really good job of minimizing sacks and minimizing turnovers. And that's a that's from a coach K calling to a coach coaching the O line. He's awesome. Coach Wallace coaching the running backs. Coach T Sam coaching receivers. The kids making plays. Like, I get all that part. The kids doing it. But we I think we've done a as has been a, it's a you know, great team. So I like. We minimize those things, and uh, the coach always said, "Just play bad ball will get you beat way before a good ball will win games." Some variation of that. Well, that's that's again
1: great advice, and it really gives somebody who you know wants to coach or specifically play a position like quarterback, it gives them something to think about. Yeah. Hey. We're taking up a lot of your time, and you got your other coaches. Keep on there. rolling. I'm good. I'm okay. good. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. I think I'm we're going to go on. I want to know this. I mean, the excitement that you guys created last year with your season, and not that I'm any kind of Kansas historian for football, but the excitement in Lawrence must have just been
2: unbelievable. It was fun. It was, it was fun watching, like, um, game because you remember the year before and what, you know, what – Happened and not being being two and ten, the I mean, kids still played hard. There's some games that got out of hand a little bit, you know. And so yeah. on. and so at some point, but watching how happy they were, the fans were, in the in the city of us playing well, you know, especially early, and then building that momentum. And I think it wasn't so much. I do believe it was obviously wins matter. I get that part, but like I felt like it was like how the kids were playing and the excitement and energy they're playing with, you know, and that's what Coach Lightbowl preaches, and then. Yeah, and love where you're, you enjoy where you're you give us everything you had and enjoy it while you're doing it. I think that's the fun part it kind of made people like, oh, and then from a program that since approximately around 2010 or so has never been a hasn't been a bowl game and it wasn't like it was like close, it wasn't very close, you yeah. know, from what we said. So I think that's the part where we just put our heads down Coach Leipel said, just one day at a time. You know, Coach K talks all about Daily improvement and all that stuff. I mean, our whole program is built on that. Is daily, and Coach preached that to the offense, and Coach Leifel preached that to the team, and our Coach Gillislee preached that to um, the kids in the way. It was like just daily improvement. You know, keep getting better and better and better. So it was fun to watch and fun to see the excitement in the college game day. It was an unbelievable experience. My daughter slept on the hill <laughs> in that stuff because she's a KU freshman, and it was so fun. It's a special place in terms of. Um, the type of people that come to really the people in Lawrence have been unbelievable. The fans have been awesome, and it's not like just because they're always been positive and upbeat, and it's like the people are really, really, really prideful and proud of going to KU, whether you're an athlete or not. But they they look out for their people, you know. And that's what I think is so awesome to be a part of. Coach, you've talked about some great
0: things. College game day, and I, I watched the video of them storming the field. Yeah. And you guys won five, and yeah, yeah, you hadn't yeah. done that for unbelievable. Yeah. What, what, what do you think was? You know, in every season, there's a turning point. Yeah. There's something that happens that it's magical. I mean, was there anything from this past season that you remember
2: that maybe just it's going to turn around? Last season, Texas, when we beat Texas in Texas, um, in overtime, when Coach Leipold's side made the decision to go for for two in overtime. And Coach Gade made a great play call, and the kids executed. And that was the deal where the kids realized, because at that point it had been some, uh, okay, you won a game early, and then you were in games, but then all of a sudden there'd be a point where you weren't. And then all of a sudden you go to Texas, and in Texas, and all of a sudden you're like, we are, like, we got a chance. Like, and the kids started believing. I, I, we felt like as a program that was the um, – time where we started believing like the kids looked and said they found a way you know it's like what coach talked about they just gotta you gotta keep on fighting and scratching and clown for every every yard fight for everything and play I mean, you know you know coach Leipold so well he's gonna yeah. his teams are gonna like coach said he wants people to watch his his teams go that are play hard they play, physically play the right way but they're gonna be physical and they're gonna be tough and they're gonna fight for everything that's what we just try to do Try to fill off what he says, and that's so what you got to be. You know, it's like, and that's why I've been blessed for 13, 14 years to work with Coach Lightpool 15, 16 years to work with Coach Lightpool and Coach Kill, two guys that get it in my mind. Like, just get in, like, understand that part of you want to be, you want to coach for them. Yeah. And so, but that's what I said. But their fans were awesome. It was, it was probably, I, I believe, it was a Texas. Yeah, they think we all kind of think like go back there because the next two games after that, we lost, but they're really close game. Lost TCU at the end on a field goal. Lost Western Union by eight or something that kind of catapulted, I think into the kids starting to believe, you know. And all of a sudden, then you can start believing. They start getting bigger, stronger, faster, obviously, all that good stuff. But I think that was a moment, one of the moments.
1: Obviously, the building blocks have been made. All right, so I mean, Kansas has turned the corner again. All the excitement surrounding your football program. How's this spring practice different from other spring practices that you've had? I mean. It, is there more of a, a sense of urgency now? I mean, what it has to be a little different than last year at this time, given the success you've had.
2: Uh, I, I don't know. I guess. I guess it's so funny as a coach is. We talk about us a lot as coach. Like you just once you're in it, you're in it. You know what I mean? It's like you're. Yeah. We haven't changed how we coach. Coach Lightfoot won't let us change how we coach. He's still going to demand it from the kids to give great effort and for demand us as coaches to, um, coaches good, as hard as we can, the best that we can at the ability level. So I think maybe there's more of a, uh, the kids like have more confidence, hey, we can play with everybody. But like w- Coach K says a lot of our I me, mean, like, you haven't done anything. Zero. Everyone's 0-0. Zero zero. Like, last year don't matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta do it again. And again and, you, and now you can't sneak up on people per se on all that stuff. And so on. So that's why I think, it had, I think it's been, it's just like more, maybe more pushed. Like, hey, let's go. Like, we, like the, the, every year is a step and you gotta keep pushing harder and harder in the schools, like once you get there now you gotta work your tail off just to stay there you know, I don't think people ever realize how easy, how hard it was for Whitewater for all the years to do what they did it's not easy to win a multitude of championships in a short period of time and like whatever it was last five and eight years or six and eight years I can't remember, I apologize um, but unbelievable, but that wasn't easy the kids bought in and kept fighting and like they believed in the process and they did not want to let the last group down you know that was awesome so I think that's what it doesn't matter it doesn't change like I think I, I love most about our staff and working with them obviously and working, with, working for coach Lightbolt is that he doesn't he doesn't change if you're 0 12 or 12 and 0 he's not changing who he is coach K is not gonna change if we score 18 points or 60 points if we just score six points a game and Coach K is going to push the heck out of the offense to keep on grinding. Coach Beard, the same thing for the defense. I'm just thankful to be part of that staff. Well, Coach, I, you know, I was
0: fortunate enough to be inducted in the Coach's Hall of Fame with Lance and did a lot of things with him. And the culture that he's always created in programs incredible. And I just want to thank you for giving back. And I yeah. know he surrounded himself with good people. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you for giving back and doing this podcast. It was outstanding for you to. We're actually in a hotel room yeah. doing this podcast, and, and there's a good, not lot a lot of people. are time though. We're having a great time, <laughs> but there's not a lot of people that would do that. Uh, and I just want to appreciate
2: you. Yeah, think, you certainly thanks, have thanks a big giving. time, does No, yeah. and Coach wouldn't let us either. Like, and, and you know when you see when you see a Coach, he's not ever going to do that. And I don't think Coach Kill ever did anybody either. I've been just, I guess I've learned a lot from those guys that I worked for. I think I was always that way myself then being able to work with guys that are like that and staffs that are like that. And Coach Simpson is still Coach Simpson. Coach K is Coach K. Coach B is Coach B. Like, that's what's fun about all those guys is there. the guys we bring in are – coaches don't the job, the guys we, we bring new guys or fit right in. You know, you yeah. in that kind of way. So it's never – there's no big egos. There's no, like, oh, no. It's, it's you know, I'm, like I said, I work for coach at KU and I work for Coach Lockwell, I can be happier. I just want to thank you.
0: It's great. It's great to talk to you
2: again. You
0: were in Mozambique quite a few years ago recruiting,
2: (laughs) and I appreciate it. Bill, I appreciate all the years that I spent and love coming back, obviously. It's been a a great couple hours so far and unfortunately we get back tonight obviously it was meeting the <laughs> Look practice at that. Was I mean, here they blow into
1: town, uh, yeah, blow, in, it, out of town. blow out <laughs> of town
2: <laughs> and that's it and now but, you got
1: you got uh, practice tomorrow meetings what, what you yeah you
2: have yeah, meetings and meetings but, and then practice no, on saturday back to the grindstone back man. To the grind. but, yeah. but that's always fun too because you just to go back and fix stuff or see things again that, that's always a fun part it's not always a uh, Oh, everything's perfect. like, oh, got to fix that. Yeah. And like, that's awesome. Ooh, we got to get better at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's always
1: something to improve. Well, Coach, again, uh, thank you so much for spending the time with us. We've, we really appreciate it. And like I said, we've got so many fans of Kansas here in Wisconsin. We wish you nothing but continued good luck. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome to the second edition of the WFCA podcast at the clinic. And Paul, it's getting a little louder out there. Oh, you I, know, I, I have, my room happens to be near the bar and it's starting to pick up down there.
0: We might break a record this time. And, and the reason I think we might break a record, obviously it's post-COVID, but the speaker lineup yeah. is incredible. And we have another legend, incredible guy that I met a long time ago and somebody I've kind of got some of my values from uh, that he has set up. So, I'll let you introduce him and we'll go from there.
1: You bet. So, uh, we're very pleased to have John uh former head coach in South Dakota State, a legend at South Dakota State. Um, not only has Coach um won a national championship, but he is the winningest coach in SDSU history. Um, I believe the second winningest coach in Missouri Valley Conference
3: history. Uh, Coach, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Uh, it's a treat and uh, kind of a, a, a gaudy uh, uh, introduction there. I'm I'm just one of the guys that coaches at South Dakota State or was so, but I appreciate it. Well,
1: you're being very humble because you've had a fantastic career and and I know there's just so much that we have the opportunity to to talk about. So so, Coach, talk to last season. What a magical season for you! You start with a really tough road loss at Iowa, and I happened to watch that game. You have no idea how much I was rooting for you guys to win that game, but I watched that game, and you slugged it out with uh, Big Ten power, um, and then you went on, and you won 14 games in a row, winning the national championship, and maybe highlighted by the fact you beat North Dakota State twice.
3: Yeah, it, uh, uh, it was a special year, and I was just asked by Bob Lichty, the the FCA, one of the FCA guys that I love, know and love here in the state. And he asked, tell me, what, what how was it different this year? And really, I would put to pin down one thing, it was the, the closeness and the relationships of our football team. I maintain that in a football program, when you have a bunch of guys that love each other, the sky is the limit. And for us, the sky was the limit, and we reached it this year.
0: Coach, it was a magical season, but... Could you recap a little bit of your career? And I, I read your bio and I'll tell you, I've always been impressed, you know, coming from a, am not gonna steal your thunder, coming from a farm, working your way up, doing all the coaching you did. Could you give us a little recap of your career and where you've been?
3: Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I think that's good to, 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 to see that you can go a lot of places sometimes and it, that's not where you were starting, you know, I grew up on a farm, a wheat farm. I was raised by a 50-20 John Deere tractor. I spent more time in the tractor than (laughs) with any of my parents. Um, You know, I I, I followed my brother to South Dakota State. I was going to be a math teacher and a a coach because I loved sport. I wasn't a very good athlete. I ended up being a a student coach at South Dakota State under some really uh, influential mentors. And one day on the field, the light bulb went on. You know, it was very conservative conservative background, and the light bulb went on and said, you know, what What if I tried to be a college coach? I'd never thought about it, and I asked the head coach then, uh, John Gregory, and he said, do these two things. Don't get married. Get your, <laughs> get your master's in physical education, because everybody taught in those days, and I got married. I'd just been engaged. I got switched to major around. I got a double major, and, and cool thing. I got my master's in Northern Iowa, and then our first three years of really working a job were in Eau Claire, Wisconsin at uh, Eau Claire North High School under John Phelps as a geometry teacher, uh, assistant coach, and really, really got me going on on uh, on coaching. And then proof there's miracles, I went from that job to a defensive coordinator at Northern State College in Aberdeen. You know, it, it was evident in, in my world, that move, that the Lord, uh, my path was to be a college coach. And you I may mean, that just doesn't happen. Uh, and uh, from there, I pursued the dream to be a, a, a FBS coach, went to Wisconsin under Don Morton, and two little kids busy and just decided uh, 35 years ago that wasn't our lifestyle and went to South Dakota State, and, and the rest is history. And really, i got I got to add this because I hope there are a lot of people who can say this. My wife and I lived our dream, and who, who who gets to say that, right? I mean, I can't tell you the number of times we looked at each other in our house and, and, and humbly and... and uh, said, soberly said, uh, uh, I can't believe what we get to do. And it was just the coolest life that we continue to have.
1: And you've spent such a long time at at South Dakota State in various capacities, obviously working your uh, way up to head coach. And uh, both Paul and myself spent a lot of time at uh, one high school. And um, I'm actually going back this fall, Coach, to my second stint at Wauwatosa East High School as head coach but um to, to find not only your niche in terms of what you want to do for a living in, in your life but the fact that you were able to
3: do it at a place like south dakota state for that length of time must really be special well it was and again it was a dream come true it was i don't know if we felt that was going to happen uh, as db coach uh, um, a linebacker coach coordinator the first nine nine years and then uh really it was offered a job at a small school and in uh, Minnesota, a small college in Minnesota, and uh, my wife and I prayed about it, and we said, uh, we think we should hang in there and try to get the South Dakota State job, and again, the, the, the Lord has blessed us beyond measure, and ended up getting it 26 years
0: uh, ago, and, and, and had a blessed career, like you've mentioned. Um, the first time I heard about you, we used to do a fundraiser in Mozanie. we had this Lake Bay big thing with some people that had docks, and so we would go put docks in, and one of the old athletic directors from South Dakota State had retired and had gone to Point and then retired. And, and he knew I was a football coach. And we're talking. He goes, do you know Jilly Holtz, Coach Stiglomar? I'm like, no, I haven't really met him. He goes, great guy. You need to meet him. And the following clinic, I went to the FCA breakfast and got a chance to hear you speak. And it, that really impressed me. But the one thing that impressed me more is the way you created a culture of family. It wasn't just about football with you. It was about just family and a testament to that is the new head coach is a guy that you coached. Um, Can you speak a little bit on that, that type of culture that you've set up there? Yeah, you know,
3: uh, you've done your research. I'm impressed. And and, and, uh, uh, I think every program, high school or college, will say they're a family. And many of those definitions of family are we hang around together. Well, that's not a family. A family... Knows and loves and holds accountable a family doesn't doesn't just doesn't talk about bench press, height, weight, and forty times. They talk about what happened in Nashville on Monday. They talk about uh, uh, the stock market. They talk about dreams and things like that. So that's what we did at South Dakota State. Uh, I knew our players' birthdays. They got a ten cent candy bar on their birthday. But if I was going to say we're family, I better know their birthday, right? That just is a no brainer. The coolest thing we did is we had non-football meetings. And so our players, would, our position groups would sit down with their their their, their uh, coach and, and for a half an hour minimum, Monday nights during the season, they couldn't talk about football. Now you want to talk something tough for a college football coach, not talk about football. And so a football was, coach in general. Yes, yeah, exactly. And so you really got to know the, your players. The freshmen got to know the senior. And it was a way to create a, a, an environment where – uh, I could look at the players, and they could look at each other, and, and I'm serious about this, guys, and say, I love you to another man, and nobody flinched. And thats I can't say anything more powerful to an individual. So when you get to that point, it's pretty cool. And I really would attribute uh, one of the reasons we won a national champion to that very fact.
0: I had the privilege of introducing you here many, many years ago, and you talked about those non-football events, and that's when we were starting contact days. So the first thing I did in Mozeny is, we're going to have a camping trip and everybody at the end of the year said that camping trip was the best bonding thing they ever did so you know that that family thing really had an impact on me appreciate that
3: well and, and uh you know uh why wouldn't you do that why wouldn't you get to know your players at a deeper level i tell you why you wouldn't because you don't want to get close to them because you don't want to have that relationship because you may want to get rid of them you know and i never that was never part of our program there was never a okay, the young guy is a starter, an older guy is a second-string guy, well, let's upgrade and find somebody else. Picking a school is one of the top three decisions in your life. It changes you, and I preach that in recruiting. And so if a young man committed to us, we committed to him, and that was a, it was a no-brainer.
1: You know, the, the whole motif here of, of family, it, you know, I in, in another way of saying these things, you know, I, I've always said to my teams, you know, like, he, I can say something about a player or a coach but nobody else can say the same thing to him. You know like if you're a family it's like yeah sometimes you have difficult things you talk about but I can say those things cuz we're family but somebody else better not say those things to you. And you know you support each other in that role and and I've always said, you know, we're going to be a good football team. Not when you do it for yourself, but when you do it for your teammates. And I can't imagine there's a, a football player at South Dakota State that that played under you that that didn't feel that way. Like this is about the team; it's not about me.
3: Uh, you know, I hope not. You know, my greatest victories, guys. People talk to me. That's well, a kind of common question, right? When you've coached as long as I did, you guys have. What's your favorite memory? What was your favorite victory? What well, was off the field? It was. I had this beautiful office in this hallway, and when I saw an alum coming back, a football alum coming back, he had his wife, he had two little kids, three little kids, sat down in my office and talked about how football impacted his life, I thought, dang, this is the most special thing I've been part of. And uh, uh, you know, that's the way I'm wired. Everybody's wired differently. Those were national championships for me. And we've
1: already mentioned your Involvement, fellowship of Christian athletes. When when did you get started uh, in that? What what you know? How
3: did you start and and how? What role has that played in your life? Come to my talk tomorrow morning. Get up early and I'll tell <laughs> you. I, I've been many
0: times. <laughs> I get kind of you know.
3: Uh, it's it's powerful. It's uh, I I was addicted to football and uh, it, it consumed me. When I decided to be a college coach, I was. That was the priority. That was the second priority. That was, the, even though I said something different, you know, your priorities are what you allot your time to. And I would sit in church, and the the, the scripture be being read, and I'd be thinking about the ISO. We didn't stop. You know, I left the birthing room of our last child, Samuel, an hour after he was born, to go to a recruiting meeting. And That's how uh, I would call it sick, but that's how addicted I was. I went to an FCA breakfast. And I filled out a card, and went and ended up working a camp, and make a short, long story short, it went through all this stuff. I had no idea it was was a fellowship of Christian athletes sports camp. I only was there for football, and it was a bunch of 18 to 14 year old kids that said, "Praise the Lord!" in a huddle. That that opened my eyes, and it's uh, to this day, I still get emotional
0: talking about
1: it. Well, I can tell.
0: And and one of the things that you prided yourself on is keeping that family. You've hired a lot of players, former players, to be coaches. I mean, the I, current coach. You know, you coach, the defense coordinator, now the head coach. Well, the great point. And there's there's a deeper
3: lying factor there. Number one, I, I never just hired a buddy. You know, I thought our players, I know, I was certain our players deserved the best position coach they could get. And so if, if I had an alum that applied and we interviewed and somebody was better, I hired the better coach. I felt they deserved that. Uh, moving forward, we had four guys in our staff that had played for me at the end here. And my wife, Laurie and our top goal was not a national championship. It was to make sure when we retired, somebody on the staff would get the job. Not because of what we did, but because of the 15 young kids that were in that hallway, that if somebody didn't, they were all gone, you know, because the new guy would come in and clean house. And so J- Jimmy Rogers getting the job was a, was a huge victory for us because we knew the staff was, was safe.
1: Your, your success at, at South Dakota State, you know, speaks for itself, but you know, you, you've built that program to the point where you're competing for national championships every single year. Um, the success you've had, I think you've gone 12 straight years or something to the, you know, the playoffs. Um, do, you, do you ever feel any pressure during that time? I mean, you've you got this thing going, you got it turned in the right direction. And now you're playing for national championships. You're in that discussion every year. Did that change you in any way?
3: It, it didn't. In fact, I felt a little more pressure early in my coaching career before we were, you know, established and maybe a, 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 our brand was across the nation. Um, you know, I just talked to Vanderbilt football team this morning, in fact. It was the coolest thing. Uh, Clark Lee, the head coach, had me come down and Watched their program for a while, and they are building a program. And I talked about the struggles and the steps and so on. And uh, in terms of pressure, uh, two things. And I've always answered it this way: uh, I really felt the Lord, uh, His plan in my life was to be a coach. And so, do the best you can, all right? And then, and then because of that, my faith, those real lows and those real highs were evened out to a ripple because. I felt uh, this is what I'm supposed to do, and that
0: happens in coaching. It happens in business. Uh, let's figure out how, how to get through it. Coach, you've obviously done a lot of reflecting in your career. It's, it's one of the things i found that just makes you better to evaluate and really reflect. As you reflect now, what would you say to some of those coaches that are just getting into it now? All your wealth of experience, knowledge, all this stuff, what would be some advice you could possibly give them?
3: Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to talk football tomorrow too. And so uh, one of the things is is be yourself, all right? You know, I'm not, pick a coach. I'm not him and he's not me. And I found after two years of uh, not being myself, the players didn't like me because I, I wasn't real. And so 24 years Later, I feel very comfortable with my skin and how I approach the job and so on. But it takes a coach a while to figure that out. Some guys are, are, are yellers and that's natural. Some guys yell and it's not natural and it just never, never works. Uh, it doesn't, it, right. Some guys, you know, Tony Dungy never raised his voice. Uh, he won a lot of football games, pretty well respected. Um, and then, then I, I think even more than that, and you guys know this, the power of the title coach don't abuse that. Don't abuse that because number one uh, when you say jump they're gonna jump. treat them right and they'll jump the right way. And Billy Graham said a coach will impact more people in one year than most people impact in their lifetime. Now that' that's maybe a, a really charge uh, you know a challenge it may be a curse too for some but but if you use it right think of the impact we can have as, as a football coach. Uh, or any coach, really, in in the lives of young people. Coach, you've
1: retired now, and you've done something for a really, really long time. W- what does the future hold for you? <laughs> what, what What do you see yourself doing next year, the year after, five years from now? What are you, you be dressed
3: in your South Dakota State stuff, doing podcasts, or you know, what what will you be doing, coach? Well. well uh, I've been asked the that, so that's the $100,000 question. I get asked that all the time. And, I, and now I'm going to put it on, on it's going to be recorded, all right? So now I'm going to... You want me edit that out again? <laughs> no, no. Remember, we no, edit. No, I, no, I want to go on record. My wife has been married to football for 44 years, all right? And she's been, uh, she's made, she makes Rice Krispie bars every time we win a game for the team. She's made over 26000 Rice Krispie bars. you got to quit winning so many games. <laughs> 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 That's boasting, I guess. Be. But, but because of that, it's time for my wife, Lori, to be able to say, uh, in fact, this is what she's going to say and has said, let's go to Maine, let's go to New Hampshire, look at the leaves. When do you do that? In the fall. Football coaches don't do that. And so we're going to do that. I'm going to serve her. I love the garden. Uh, uh, so the weeds, there won't be so many weeds during the season because I'll have time to take care of them. We have four beautiful grandchildren and uh, love to invest in them. And I, honestly, I may do some math tutoring at some elementary schools in Brookings because I was in I was in uh, elementary school the other day and had the national championship trophy and showed them and talked about being a champion in everything in your life. And I tell you what, I got hugs. I got uh, I had a young man that just followed me around, around and I thought, Uh, there's a need here for not only uh, maybe tutoring but also just loving on kids and and I think that would be a good way to make a difference in 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 Brookings South Dakota.
0: Coach I just want to congratulate you on a fantastic career and I'm not talking all the football wins I'm just talking about being a good person thanks for being a role model doing the FCA things and thanks for coming on the podcast. uh,
3: uh, Paul, Tom it's an honor and I think it's really cool that you guys are or maybe talking to us old guys, and, and maybe this wisdom, you know, because if, if people like me, you listen to something one, two, three times, you hear it from two different people, and then all of a sudden it maybe soaks in. And, and uh, I am so grateful uh, to, to being able to wear the, the title coach. And I'm to be honest, and corny, uh, those three years in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, uh, were maybe some of the best of our, in, in our lives. So appreciate the state of Wisconsin.
1: Well, we're so happy to hear that, and, and as Paul said, we appreciate you and the time that you took to, to come and, and speak with us. And I look forward to, to hearing you speak tomorrow, and some of the wisdom that you're going to impart is really going to make a difference in a lot of coaches' lives, I'm sure. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the Wisconsin Football Coaches Association podcast. This is our, spe- our special clinic edition Paul we're talking to I'm Tom Swittle with Paul Levinsky. Paul we're talking to our third coach of the weekend. It's Friday afternoon. Um, people are still pretty strong around here.
0: To be honest with you, Tom, I think we could go a whole week talking to coaches, and uh, I'm out in the lobby you know, just talking to people. and this is, I think, what makes football and football clinics special. And, and you see this clinic, the buzz, this clinic is really special, and we have another special guest that I've been dying to talk to.
1: You bet, and, and uh, you know, we had two coaches from the collegiate level on and now we've got a high school coach. We've got Andrew Selgrad, uh, coach at Columbus, I should say state champion, Columbus High School. Um, coach Selgrad was the uh, WFCA and Packer Coach of the Year last fall, and uh, we're really interested in hearing your story, Coach, I mean, what a great accomplishment winning a state championship, the third in school history, but the first in quite some time. And uh, welcome aboard.
4: No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a definitely a special year. We had a lot of fun, um, great group of kids, great group of coaches. And, you know, to have that all come together like it did was just a, a storybook, it really was.
1: Well, and anybody who followed your season, and I have to tell you, I started hearing about your team probably mid-season as they would talk to coaches from around the state, and they were talking about um, you know, the different divisions, what schools, and Columbus kept coming up as the school that could be Catholic Memorial. And just to kind of put it in perspective, I've done uh, quite a few of the state championship games at Camp Randall, color commentary, and um, I've done uh, a couple of Catholic Memorials games there, and your game, Against them reminded me very much of when they played Keel in the state championship game. I think that was like four years ago. It maybe. was.
0: It was. Drexler was the coach, longtime coach yeah. there. Um, yeah. It was a classic so, game.
1: But I, I can remember saying on the broadcast in the intro to the game, I said, "You know, imagine that you're Keel, and you have possibly the greatest team in school history, and your opponent to win a state title is Catholic Memorial." And all the success that they've had against everybody, schools much, much larger than that. Well, in a sense, I felt the same thing when I, you know, watched your game. I'm thinking to myself, now here's Columbus with possibly the best team they've ever had, and you're playing Catholic Memorial, you know, a school of kind of comparable size, but certainly in terms of where they draw from, you know, a population of a million versus, you know, a small town like you're from, what an accomplishment. Give us some thoughts as you you know knew you were going to
4: play Catholic Memorial in the final. What were some of the things going through your mind? Well, really, we started preparing for them um, in 21. After we lost to them in level four, uh, that was actually a really important game for us for this season because we knew after playing them and that talented team that uh, we could hang with them, and that gave our kids the confidence. They knew what they had to do going into the season to get ready to play another team like that. Uh you're not going to avoid them, and so you might as well prepare for them. And so our mindset the entire season was get better week by week, so that way when you get to that game at the end, we're ready. And so i got to give a lot of credit to our our players, our coaches. Uh, We all had the same vision. We all pulled in the same direction, and you could see uh, the results from that.
1: Well, and obviously there was no fear factor. You
4: had played them before, and you lost in a close game to them. Correct. Uh, reasonably. Um, okay. it, it, at the end, they started pulling away from us. Um, we, we just ran out of players essentially. Yeah. You know, we had a, a, our safety tore ACL in that game, and uh, one of our linebackers got hurt, and you know, it just kind of snowballed from there. But we hung with them for yeah. a half.
1: And that's sort of my point. You know, the fear factor wasn't mm-hmm. there. You were familiar with them, and it certainly helped, and it obviously showed.
0: You know, Coach, that was the end of last season. Let's go back all the way to your career. You you played at at Fond St. Mary Springs yep. with Bob Highland. Yep. I mean, what did you pick up from Coach Highland? He's a legend. What did you pick up from there?
4: Uh, I mean, playing, I not only did I play, I got to coach with him too. So that was important. Um, you know, when I was a junior, we won a, a state championship. That team was, uh, again, another once in a lifetime type of team. Uh, to be part of that and be part of that, uh, that story program, it, it, you just take a lot from it. I mean, Coach Hyland, he, he has so much knowledge um, just from all the time he spent. I mean, there's a reason he's the winningest coach. You know, he knows what he's doing and to be able to Learn from him both as a player and as a coach when I was there uh, It definitely paid dividends, you know as, as I've gotten on in my career for sure
1: Well, and, and not only did you have a great experience playing for and coaching with coach Hyland you're a son of a football coach. Yep, and You were, I'm sure growing up on the sidelines at practices doing all that stuff probably influenced you greatly to go into football coaching, I would imagine. What are the kinds of things that you learned from your dad, not only just sort of on the field when you saw him interact with players, but when you went home and you saw his work ethic and yeah. all the things that he did to get his teams ready to play?
4: Well, that's that's it right there. You said work ethic, and that's exactly what it picked up. You know, that man, he, first of all, he's just a, a great father. You know, I, I want to be... As good of a man as he is, and, and the way he brought me up and my brother up was, was second to none. Uh, being on the sideline like that, and, and the way his players interacted with us, I wanted that the same for my son, who's also now in that position too, which makes it very special. So, you know, the work ethic, the, the time and the effort that he puts in and continues to put in, as he's my OC, uh, makes it really special. And it's just a, well, one of the things I've learned coaching with the Jorgensons is that family is everything. And so to have your family on the sideline with you makes it even extra special.
0: Yeah, I, I know Steve well. Uh, I'm a friend of mine. They played college ball together. So what, what did you, you coached with him for a while. Mm-hmm. Jorgensen family's very yep. successful. Steve, been successful What were some of the things you picked up from him?
4: Just again, you know, the way they handle players, the way they interact, the way they teach. You know, football coaching isn't just about uh, X's and O's. And that's something I learned also from Coach Island. is it's not just... You know, drawing up plays and all oh, this is going to work here and there. But it's it's about how do you teach that? How do you get your players to understand that? How do you get them to think, react, and play hard? Um, in, in the same kind of thing, you know, every successful program, you know, I coached with Coach Rick and Avoc down in Meguanago as well. Everybody is playing for the playoffs. You got to prepare like you're going to make the playoffs. And that's one of the things that I've seen throughout my time as a coach, as an assistant, that you put in the time for November. And that's where you really want to play. So, You know, it's just the way they interact, the way they scheme, the way they put players into a position to be successful, uh, the way they interact, the way they teach, all those things you pick up as an assistant coach, and I've been blessed to be under some fantastic head coaches.
1: Well, and and you have a couple of models that you live by, right? I mean, there's a couple models, I'm just going to say them, keep building, Mm -hmm. teaching the why. What exactly do you mean by that?
4: Well, we'll start off with teaching the why, uh, because as a coach... And I've learned this as an educator myself, right? When you educate your students, they need to understand not just what, but why. They, that way they actually learn it. It becomes part of their learning, part of their success. That way they can carry that on through uh, to the next unit, to the next chapter, whatever the case may be. So it's not any different on the football field. you got to teach your players how to play football. You can't assume they know anything. Anytime you assume anything, you're probably wrong, right? So teaching them not just how but why gives them an understanding of what we are trying to accomplish so that way if something on the field happens that's not quite in the game script that we thought was going to be well they know why they're doing it and they know that they can just adjust to it in this way or that way so that's really important teaching the why so we spend a lot of time up front going through what we're doing why we're doing it and how it actually works in the end it's putting a puzzle together really Um, you know as far as keep building goes that's something that just came to my head when I first took the job at Columbus uh, because really you're building for uh, the next game, right? You, you always, there's always something you can improve upon. There's always something you can do a little bit better, both as a player and as a coach. you got to evaluate, and you got to keep progressing. You know, If you think about weight training or, or working out or anything like that, it's a building process. You don't start off bench pressing day one and all of a sudden you're huge, right? It takes time. you got to build every day, every week, and that takes commitment. It takes effort. Uh, it's just like building a house. You know, Every step has a purpose.
0: I, I often refer to it as taking ownership, yes. letting your players hand the keys to the car and set the rules up. And, but, you know, Tom alluded to the fact that you really accomplished something this past season that most people would have bet against you. And you often talk about developing that family. Mm -hmm. How did you do it at Columbus? I mean, because it seemed like against even players that might have been more talented than you, your kids just overcame and they
4: believed in each other. Well, it's truly building a family. I think of all my players as my sons. I really do. And that's important. If you show them, you care. You show them, you love them. You show them that you're invested in them and their future, not just in football, but as as a young man, you know, because football is a great game of teaching life skills. Every time you get knocked down, you got to get yourself back up and dust yourself off and keep moving forward. And so building that and being consistent, you got to be who you are. You know, I'm not Coach Highland. I'm not Coach Jorgensen. When I was a young coach, coaching under Highland, I tried to be him. It just didn't work. There's only one Coach Highland, and he's who he is, and that works for him. I'm not him. And he told that to me, you can't be me. And that really stuck with me. It's like, oh, okay, you're right. I can't, it's not working. So you gotta be a genuine person. You can't be someone else. You gotta be consistent every day.
1: Now this was your second year at Columbus, correct? Yes. So here you are, first year, you go to level four, lose to a great Catholic Memorial team. Second year, you beat a great Catholic Memorial team for a state
4: championship. Where do you go from here? It's I mean, a, you're at, you know, like right now, it's as good as it gets. And it's year two. I just love coaching football, honestly. You know, being around our, our players, our coaches, that family, you know, that, that's what it's about. And I want that to be a program-wide, consistent thing, year in, year out, that we're building high-character men and let the, let the pieces fall where they may. And so that's what's important. That's what really drives me. It's investing in these men these young men, so that way when they become fathers, they become husbands, they get in the workforce that they are you know, as a good a human as they can be.
0: Can you give some specifics of how you did this? I mean, just you've got a lot of young coaches that are out there listening. Can you just give one example of how you did that?
4: In terms of what?
0: Of a building that you know, consistency, building up young men. Is there just something that you remember that you did in the last two years that really was significant that could help other coaches?
4: Honestly, I'm just honest with our kids. You know, I tell them I've got their back. I tell them I'm going to fight for them, uh, and I expect them to fight for me. You know, it, we, we rally together. We're a family. We, we do things together. One of the things that was really important, my son, uh, like I said, is involved with our program. And at the end of the 21 season, he said, Dad, I want to invite all of our football players over to our house for pancakes, and then we're going to go to church. And I kind of looked at him like, uh, I don't think we can feed that many guys with pancakes. And, you know, um, we'll see about church. You know, I said, don't be surprised if they don't come. So he wrote something up and he wrote it out by hand and we made copies. We made, we had 37 players. He made 37 copies. He handed every player one of those. We had 35 players come to our house and every player came and they they love my son (laughs) And it, 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 honestly, I'm, uh, it's emotional for me because it just shows how interacting with their players, if you show them they care, they'll show you they care. And that's what are, it's really important. And so uh, that, that situation meant a lot. Uh, the two that couldn't make it wanted to come, but they had to work. So, we could have had the entire football team in our house. We are trying to figure out where to sit, everybody. We went through a lot of pancakes, and we all yeah, pancake
0: to recipe must have been awesome.
4: Man, we... And you <laughs> might want
0: to share that with us.
4: Costco. That's all I got to say. Costco. So, you know, that, that, those are, we went paintballing. We go paintballing, and we have a lot of fun together, and we went bowling. Those are the kind of things we try and do as a team. You know, we're looking at going paintballing this spring here with our 2023 team, and I'm excited for it, you know, so... I don't know if my knees as excited as I am, but we'll see what happens.
1: <laughs> well, I, I have to ask you, uh, Coach. Now, you've already given us a lot of your philosophy and, and certain things, but I'm going to put you on the spot right now okay. because you have said, you know, you, you've really coached with some giants in the state, mm-hmm. you know, guys that if there's a Rushmore football coaches in the state of Wisconsin, you've mentioned a couple guys that would be on there. One thing you learned from your dad, one thing you learned from Coach Highland. one thing that you learned... Uh, from Coach Jorgensen that you, you brought with you to Columbus?
4: Uh, well, starting with my dad, I've learned that, you know, in order to be a successful coach, you got to be willing to learn, and that football is ever-changing, you got to change with it. You know, my dad's going to be 70, and he is on top of all the trends, all, everything that has changed over the time, and he's adapted, and I've seen him work with that and I've carried that over to myself, and that's, that's something that we brought over to Columbus. Um, Coach Hyland, uh that tough mentality that he instills in his players. You know, when I played there, he wanted tough, physical football players. Uh, he, we never backed down as football players, and that's because his leadership is what provided that. We knew going into any game we could play with anybody in the state, and instilling that confidence was huge. Uh, Cor- Coach Jorgensen, you know, he, he's a big game-plan guy. He looks at every angle, watching film. Uh, I'm a film junkie because of him. Uh, the, the, what he looks for when he schemes against a team. I learned more about football in, in, in three days just listening to him talk than uh, a long time, you know, and not to begrudge anybody else I coach with. Yeah. But the, the amount of knowledge that man has and the way he coaches is, is second to none.
1: You know, I had a similar situation, Coach. When I was coming up, my, my first, I started coaching in 1979, and I was at um, Dominican High School for three years as an assistant. And after three years, I evaluated where I was at as a coach, and I was really unhappy with where I was at. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I learned anything, you know, and that bothered me. I went and coached at Wauwatose East under a guy named John Richmond, a Hall of Fame guy, and um, in one year, I learned... You know, like you said, in three days, you know, maybe for me it was three weeks. But I I learned more from John Richmond, in three weeks, and of course that entire season I spent as as one of his assistants, than I had learned the previous three years. And it's really, as I look at my coaching career, I take mentorship very seriously. Mm -hmm. When I have a young coach, you know, I, I want them to learn about the game because I didn't have that opportunity when I first started yeah. and the fact that, you know, you've done that, you've worked for those guys and I'm sure for every young coach on your staff to them, you are coach Jorgensen, you are coach Highland. You know, it's hard for you to probably to think about it that way, but it's probably the truth. I mean, how can you argue with the great success
4: you've had? Well, you know, if there's any advice I want to give to a young coach is that don't be over eager to be a head coach. Um, if you're learning from the coaches you're coaching with it may not just be a head coach it might be a coordinator or a position coach or even a freshman coach I've worked with some tremendous freshman coaches that have a ton of knowledge they just love coaching freshmen you know they're not any less important than the head coach and that's really important to instill in the young coaches don't be in a hurry you know I, I when I was young I was like I wanted to be the next Highland, right? I wanted to start young, coach forever, and, and, and get as many wins as him. My path didn't go that way, and I couldn't be any happier. So take your time, learn what you can, embrace it, and just go from there. Well, you guys are
0: talking about two things that are important. You are the sum of the people you hang around with, and do your job to the best of your ability. Mm. Don't worry about the next job. But exactly. I got I to gotta tell you. What what was one thing from, or ask you, what was one thing from this season that really is going to stick with you? I'm not talking about the wins and you know, all that stuff. I'm talking about one thing that happened that you really feel is going to stick with
4: you. I'm going to kind of answer that. Not It's not one thing. It's one. What's going to stick with me is our kids love to practice. They love being around each other. And... You know, our practices, you know, if you walk in, they might look a little loose. I'm okay with that because our kids are having fun. They're talking, they're, 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 they're doing what they can. Yeah, they're screwing around between snaps, but once that whistle hits, they're playing. And they're playing hard, they're playing fast, they're playing physical. But the amount of fun that they're having, if they asked us to play another four games, we're gonna do it. In fact, one of my seniors said that, hey, if they asked me to, I could play four more games. Maybe not five, because his body was starting to get pretty beat up, uh, but he said he'd definitely do it. You know, and that stuck with me. And every day, I love going to practice because I love seeing these kids have fun. And that's what made it fun for me. If they're having fun, and it's not like, oh, we got to practice again, right. everyone's miserable. And and that really, that really stuck with me. And and it's always going to stick with me. The the love that they showed for each other, uh, the, the, the enjoyment they had out of the game, that is just as important probably even more than winning the state game.
1: Now, you've got some key uh, components of your team coming back next year, and the expectations are high, mm-hmm. right? Again, you in a very short period of time, you have climbed the mountain. So where do you go from here? What, what's the next chapter for Columbus football? Um, how do you improve upon a 14-0 and state championship team?
4: We try and do it again, honestly. You know, I, I try and treat every team with the same lens, right? Even though the players change, um, we might have to change something schematically. We might have to adjust how we do things a little bit, but the expectations don't change. Work hard in the weight room, study, uh, be a good person, uh, come to practice ready to work, and good things happen. So honestly, the mentality is not going to change. It's, again, we want to build a program so we have year-in and year-out success. That's what I've learned from Coach Highland. You know, that's why he has good teams every year. Mm-hmm. The expectations the same. That's why Coach Jorgensen has been successful. The expectations are the same. Coach Gnevok, expectations are the same. Steven Jorgensen, same thing. Everybody has the same consistent th- consistency, and that's what matters. You know, why not do it again? So that's how we're going to approach it.
0: Coach, it's another clinic. What's been the highlight of your clinic this year, the WFCA clinic? I mean, I, there's always something for me.
4: What's yours this year? Uh, we got to go to the FCA breakfast this morning, got to listen to Coach Stegelmeier, and that was really uh, – he's, he's an impressive man, and, and his journey himself is, is, is awesome. So that was really cool. Being able to talk to coaches, it, it's really, you know, making those connections. You know, we may p- play each other, you, you know, week in, week out but that brotherhood that we have as a coaches association, that's why this WFCA is is the best association in the country, bar none, period. It's because of the people here. And going around interacting, you know, enjoying each other's friendship and camaraderie, that's what I'm going to take away.
0: Coach, thank you, and thank you for your positive influence, and look forward to, to seeing you on down the road.
1: Appreciate it. Coach, yeah, and thank you so much for spending the time. You know, we're in the midday here and there's a lot of things going on. There's probably a speaker right now that you'd like to be watching, but you you came up and you did this um, with us. Uh, We really appreciate it, and, and we know this for sure. Columbus football is in good hands, and best of luck next year. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.